these nations, pair by pair, to participate with the gold token are going to have to come up with some gold depositories in order to buy tokens. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics and fortunate to be joined today by one of our guests who we've had come on for years, certainly a fan favorite who digs into the markets and a lot of the geopolitics and unusual things <laughs> going on in the world these days. So especially with the BRICS announcement or we'll see if they have a formal announcement, but regarding the potential for some sort of new currency but with that coming up next week great to have jim back on the show and dig into all the things that are going on so dr jim willie editor of the hat trick letter it's great to have you here today and have <clears throat> a friend i i've been very strange chris uh the website is golden-jackass.com that's how you find it um it's called the hat trick letter but it's the only newsletter on my website and it, it's the gold www.golden-jackass.com. Um, I, I got to say a couple weird things. I've gotten more compliments in the last year and a half than I have the last 10 years. I mean, cumulatively. Uh, a lot is happening. And I, I'm, <laughs> it's getting so strange now, Chris, that I'm, I'm being told by somebody, Jim, this is a correct forecast of yours. And I'm thinking... I don't remember forecasting that, but I talked about similar things. I'm, I'm getting credit for for events that are unfolding. And um, I, I think the main point is that a lot of general forecasts and specific forecasts, platforms and specifics are coming as I expected. Uh, I called it the, uh, the new shice dollar, but that, is essentially the new central bank digital currency with a fake gold backing. Um, I talk about I talked in the past about the Eurasian trade zone, but that's the BRICS now. I, I talked about how they would have a gold-backed uh, trading unit, and that's coming to pass now. Um, we have never seen this level of deception, and the big holy book talks about climax of times where the deception is astounding. The deception is not so much that um, people are lying in high places like politicians. It's more like they promise this, but do that. And then the people say, but you did this. And the politician said, I didn't do that. And then they say, you must have misunderstood. And then the press validates the politicians for their lie. Um, but it's gotten so much worse. To me, it's simply stated, I'm not sure who that is. That person, that leader, that actor. We are subjected to deceptions like never seen before on the planet. Um, and it's very, very difficult to be certain about a number of different important things. And, and, you know, I'm modest at times, but I'm also a braggart at times. 
I've gotten a lot of forecasts correct, and I, I like to insult Wall Street for their, you know, bank analysts and economists and their charlatans and shaman. <clears throat> They're paid not to be correct. They're paid to support the party line. And I don't think Wall Street economists and financial analysts have more than a 30% correct forecast rate. Mine's like 80 to 90 percent um i got a pretty established track record i'm not paid to support a big bank party line um i'm paid to deliver the news and deliver a good forecast of what's coming and i think i do a pretty creditable job but this is a scary scary time and um I'd be a liar if I said I wasn't scared, but we were talking before recording. I said, I'm not really afraid of, of the big future. I'm afraid of the present <clears throat> because here's why. The present leads to chapter two. And I think that transition includes a lot of harm, a lot of destruction, a lot of business ruin, a lot of human death, but we are gonna get through that transition and I'm confident that it'll be a positive outcome. But I don't know, say the Fortune 500, how many will be left out of the 300 and what is it? 30, 40, 50 million, depending on how many unvetted immigrants cross the border without being counted. <clears throat> this is called 340 million. I don't know how many of them are gonna be left in chapter two. Um, right now we're dealing with Maui and in the news is quite a bit of information. A year ago, they had a smart city conference and several months ago, a political leader said, we'd like this to become an AI business sector. And uh, a client passed to me Yesterday, a Mountain Dew can, the Maui Blast, with a blast of pineapple. <clears throat> and uh, just focus on the second part of the name, <clears throat> Mountain Dew. Okay, you know, this is a pretty weird time. And uh, when I saw the destruction of cars, um, I thought this is not, <laughs> this is not a forest fire. Okay, so there's a lot going on, and there's a very courageous uh, person editing a website who mentioned that the natives, for over a year, had resisted a multinational corporation for buying out a resort area. So that resistance is now gone. Okay, there's a lot going on. And um, I think their police captain or commissioner in Maui is the same guy from the 2017 Las Vegas incident. So <clears throat> I'm not sure too much, how should I say, will be discovered and shared. Um, I'm expecting a lot of rubber stamps <clears throat> on uh, smoke and cinder. So there's a lot going on. 
And, you know, was it five months ago we were talking about East Palestine, Ohio? Um, <clears throat> and a month later, we were talking about the ridiculous number of train derailments. Okay, there's a lot going on. And it's not toward building a better nation. It's toward bringing it down. Um, <clears throat> and that's very sad for me. Um, I've had quite a few people in the last 12 months say, Jim, I have to cancel the, the subscription because I'm out of work. My company folded. Uh, there was a mandate I refused. Um, I'm, I'm sick. I'm getting old. I'm running low on savings. Okay, I've heard it all. But I'm still growing in the subscriber base, my client base, which is remarkable because it's like a little bit greater headwind and a much more powerful backdraft. The backdraft is basically, we wanna know what's going on. We wanna preserve our life savings. We don't believe the news. We don't believe our political leaders and I've been watching you, Jim, in your podcast interviews, whatever you want to call them. I call them interviews. I call them radio shows, too, which doesn't make any sense, but that's what I call it. Um, they've been watching it, and now they'd like to know what I say in the newsletter for what the heck is going on. And um, it's really been an explosion in subscriptions since last I would say last summer, about a year ago. And that's when the banks started to get into a lot of trouble. And it's also when the US government debt began to accelerate. Um, I know you're aware, Chris, but it's really just not discussed enough. We're at $32.5 trillion government debt. It's growing at like a hundred and 150 or 180 billion dollars a month we're having trouble with the treasury auctions and i have i bring up two points the debt is going up a trillion every five months or so now but get a load of this <clears throat> if you look at the last two years and and say end of fiscal year here's the debt end of the next fiscal year, here's the debt, and you subtract the two, it's a lot more than the stated government annual deficit. Right. It's like 50% larger, which means they've got these one-off exclusions and seasonality bullshit, and they're lying to us about what the debt is. Uh, I, I don't bother with the, the, the estimates that include you know, pension obligations. I just focus on the basics. What's our deficit? How much did it go up last year? What is it now? I think it's 32.7 trillion. Um, and that's absurd. In the last year, there's been a public perception in the United States and across the globe that the United States government will never be able to repay the debt. We'll never be able to pay back yeah, we'll never be able to pay back the treasury bond owners, holders. 
it's a quarter million per taxpayer. It's almost 100,000 per citizen, 32.7, that was about right. You know, wait a month, it'll be 38 something. Um, the, the foreign treasury bond owners, Chris, but, okay, there are three groups, our allies, our enemies, and the marginal nations. None of them believe any longer that we'll be able to pay it back. So the buyers, I believe, and there's a recent treasury bond auction, and I read some details on it because I thought, well, this there's no way it can go well. But they managed to fake it. And here's how I believe they faked it. They had lots of different central banks from uh, marginal nations and friendly nations bid on the treasury bonds, but it was actually with money from the Fed, money from the Department of Treasury. And I, I believe, we're going to find out this later, I believe that they were either instantly refunded by the Fed to put on their balance sheet or soon will be bought by the Fed in return because they don't want them. And, and take a look at the dollar swap volume. It's bound to grow in a magnificent way. <clears throat> Which brings me to the BRICS. I, I hope you don't mind talking about the BRICS. Is that okay? No, that was one of the things that very much looking forward to getting your take on. And <clears throat> only a week away now. So obviously been a lot of speculation on what they may or may not announce, what structure it could possibly be so yes would love to hear your thoughts on what you're hearing about well that. let me let me draw back to mid-may <clears throat> in mid-may we heard that the saint petersburg economic international forum s-p-e-i-f which by the way has eclipsed davos when was the last davos meeting that we gave a shit about um the St. Petersburg Economic Forum, I think, was May 23rd, the closing date, Friday. I could be off on a day or two, but I think it was the 23rd. And we were told that they were going to announce the BRICS new gold-backed currency. And I had a lot of questions, like, um, is it going to be a currency or is it going to be a gold token? Uh, is it going to be both? Um, how many nations will participate? Will it have a, a you know, an initial launch? Um, what do you call it? Pilot program? Um, will they have some kind of a, of, of a debt? Or will they stick with like the import export development bank concept? I have a lot of questions. And um, what I learned was a big fat nothing burger. Um, we were told that they had 46 billion in new contracts with 23 countries and Africa was a participant. And we were told that there was no description or definitive information on their BRICS currency. In the following weeks, we were told in June 
that it was more likely to be a gold token than a gold-backed currency. And I began talking with my colleagues and a couple of really smart clients. I have a, a, a bunch, like 20 clients who are like semi-colleagues. So my brain trust is really quite extensive and I, I love it. And they're very valuable to me. And what I'm learning is this. By not having it as a currency, they have advantages. There's no currency exchange rate relative to other majors like the dollar and euro and yen and yuan. So there's no currency to attack or to undermine like in Turkey or Venezuela or Syria or Iran, AKA Persia. There's no currency to undermine. So that's an advantage. There's no bond, no debt that can be undermined and attacked and sold off, like threatening a, an, an allied country to, to dump all your BRICS bonds. There's no bond. They've got a development bank and it's really not flush with funds. It has to be built up in order to function. There's another big advantage. <clears throat> By not having it as a currency, there's no employment mandate. They're not gonna say, well, in the top five BRICS nations or top 35 BRICS nations, We've got this level of employment that we want to attain. They, don't, they won't have that. There's not going to be any price inflation ma mandate. No. Okay. Now let's talk about the advantages to being a token. In order to use the token, a participating pair of nations, because it'd be a buyer and a seller, net this, net that, net plus, net negative. <clears throat> In order to participate, those two nations must have a sufficient gold depository. They must have a certain volume of gold. Okay, well, maybe some of them don't. <laughs> um, so they have to build it up. Let's just say one nation is Pakistan. I, I just picked that because they're, they're not a big net export gainer. All right, so Pakistan, in order to participate, they're going to have to build up their gold reserves. Okay, well, how are they going to do that? I don't think they've got a big Forex reserve savings account, so they're going to have to struggle to build up their gold reserves. I call it the gold depository rather than reserves. <clears throat> Countries that have an enormous pile of treasury bonds and euro bonds are gonna be selling them in order to buy gold and build up their gold depository in order to use gold tokens. <clears throat> I just heard that the, there was a proposal, it's, flo it's floating around, Chris, you know, I cannot say, well, here's exactly where that rumor story came from. I can't, we're, we're in vague territory everywhere. I'm told that there's a, plan to make a $55 gold token. Now, to me, that's about a gram. I'm, I'm not sure. $55 multiplied by 30. I think it's even less than a gram. <clears throat> okay. 
whatever. <clears throat> they want the gold token to be at a low price and not in the thousands. Okay, I get that. But these countries, one after the other, who are signed up for the BRICS, let's call it union. I'm not even sure what they are. They're a conglomerate, they're a consortium, they're a group. Call it a union. These nations, pair by pair, to participate with the gold token are going to have to come up with some gold depositories in order to buy tokens. And, and the tokens cannot be easily attacked. They're going to be priced relative to the gold price. So it's going to be a backdoor impetus for lifting the gold price. There's going to be demand to buy gold for these nations' depositories. And that will be demand for gold, demand, demand for the gold. <clears throat> There's a downside to being part of the BRICS union. If you're a poor nation, if you're relying constantly on bigger nations to help your currency become stable, like with trade to maintain your currency, you're in trouble. You're gonna have to attract foreign investment in the form of like car parts industry in your little country, in the form of tire factories in your little country, in the form of say cell phone assembly, in the form of I, I don't know, exported labor. Um, you might have to attract foreign capital for some new universities to lift the level of your national engineering capability so that you can participate in patent development and production according to your patent ownership. <clears throat> I expect a lot of that to come, but that will upset the balance of political power, and there will be resistance. So some smaller nations will not join the BRICS union. That is a downside, especially if that dependence is really, really big, like it is in some, let's just say, Central American countries, like Honduras. <clears throat> Very few people understand. It was about 12 or 13, 14 years ago. They had a military coup run by the U.S. and later became, let's just say, a conduit for that trade. Okay, there's a lot of moving parts with this BRICS. I'll tell you my expectation for, <clears throat> I guess it's in two weeks or one week, next week. Um, here's what I expect. Whatever important decisions are made will not be publicly made. I'm sorry. Whatever major decisions are done among leadership entities in closed quarters will not be shared with the public. They're going to be carefully crafted public messages. They're going to emphasize the role of the token. They're going to emphasize that it is not a currency. By not being a currency, they will actually say 
we're not competing against the dollar, the euro, the yen, and the yuan. They will actually say that. But the point that I did not hit on several minutes ago, when these many countries develop and build their gold depository toward creating gold tokens, they're going to be selling a lot of treasury bonds. Okay, so you could say that the gold token is not going to be a competitor with the dollar. But by virtue of selling treasuries in order to build the gold depository, they're going to pull the rug out from under the dollar. Because they're going to force, I think, it'll be slow at first. And, and I made a forecast three months ago that we're going to see an avalanche of treasury bond sales. <clears throat> and I heard, I believe the month was June. We set a record in June for treasury bonds internationally sell, sold. The sales of international treasury bonds. Right. We set a record. The largest ever. And I said, of course, it has begun. And, and if July is not bigger, it's only because it's the summer vacation month. <clears throat> Wait till September and October, and we're going to be hitting record levels, which means... Foreign nations, friend, foe, and marginal are not going to be supporting the treasury bond, which is the foundation of the dollar. So I don't give a shit that it's a gold token. It's not a currency. I say it is better than a currency because it does not compete with the dollar directly. It is not subject to... Uh, sabotage it does not have a bond as a foundation ours is upside down we got a bond debt foundation to the dollar theirs has a gold foundation through token so they've given us an upside down exeter pyramid with a bird they don't have mandates economically they've got a development bank this bank is going to be important for say doing th things like this an Argentina port with rail facilities and maybe some silos for grain and extended port. I mean, like a mile out. That That's what Brazil has, two miles out. It's amazing what they've done in Brazil. I'm not really impressed with Brazil politically, but as far as building up international trade infrastructure, they've, they've done pretty well. They've done the opposite of what the United States is doing. We're, we're cutting it. We're cutting it down. Like we're cutting trees down. They're building trees. <clears throat> okay. What we're not going to hear in Durban, South Africa, is a lot of information and details that we want very much to hear. <laughs> in other words, we're going to be a little bit disappointed. Is, is that all there is? What's going on? What, what are you guys doing? <clears throat> I like the Tom Luongo description. It is now the RCI BRICS, Russia, China, Iran. India, notice, has taken a step back. India is a very important part of the BRICS now, but not, not in a leadership role. Okay, I, I don't want to be insulting to India, 
I want to give them credit for where it's due. Two years ago, they turned down the health mandates and earned a lot of British, let's say, Dr. Anger, Health Minister Anger, because there were too many fatalities. <clears throat> so India stood up to the Western leadership, let's say, council, whatever. Um, six months ago, India became a critically important player regarding Russian oil trade. The Indians bought Russian oil. I've mentioned this before, but it's you got to mention it again and again because this is very important. The Indians bought tankers of Russian oil, <clears throat> and the invoicing was done in UAE dirham, which is pegged to the dollar. Now, I just saw a news item yesterday that they're buying Russian oil and invoicing in Indian rupee, their native currency. They're selling gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel to European nations after doing the processing. And they're taking you on. They might be taking other currency, but they're taking yuan. I think they're also taking euros. The important part is that Europe is not being strangled for energy supply, oil and gas, because they're getting a good deal from India. And India has a payback. They get essentially free, let's just say, a free several thousand miles of asphalt pavement per month, several thousand miles of free asphalt pavement per month. That's what my India-Turkey contact says. <clears throat> and that's a colleague of mine. Um, ooh, India is continuing in this role. And now they've said something, I think, to provide lip service to the Anglo-American Swiss High Council they said, we don't want to follow the BRICS agenda. <laughs> well, they're doing the BRICS legwork, but they don't want to follow the BRICS agenda with the token. Okay, fine. Continue to pay, continue to receive rupee and UAE dirham. And don't use the gold token. If that keeps you safe as a nation, then they're going to become a gigantic BRICS participant in trade. They're going to be a middleman for European energy trade. And I don't give a shit that they don't use the gold token. The other ones will. In a sense, Chris, the I in BRICS has been replaced by Iran. In a sense. I was saying for a while, well, we got double I in bricks. And I did that in some communication, like emails. But then India took a step back. They're going to be the middleman and a very important trade partner with a huge, their middle class is bigger than the United States population. Keep that in mind. <clears throat> the middle class of India. They've now passed up the population of China. So they're going to be a very important client customer of trade. 
So they don't want to use the gold token. I guarantee you they will later on, but they're buying some political, let's just say peace of mind right now. <clears throat> it, it's quite interesting what's going on. Um, <clears throat> pardon my voice. I, I've had a few rough days. Um, I'm excited by the meeting coming up in Johannesburg, well, in Durban, in South Africa. I'm excited, Chris, because it means they're going to be moving forward. They're not going to tell us everything they do. You know, in a military operation, you don't tell them what people, what you're doing. And, and I think the BRICS have been dealing with defense toward infiltration. They've been dealing with defense toward bribery. And they've been dealing with maybe some individual attacks toward assassination in order to have the king dollar defended for continuation. This is very ugly time. Um, I don't mind that the BRICs are quiet about their plans. <clears throat> I do have an opinion though, that some people won't find very comforting. <clears throat> I think they're gonna delay and delay in widespread usage of their gold token until the US dollar structures falter and break down on a much greater basis. I'm referring to the banks, the treasury bond and the US government debt. By the way, I'll just throw some out, something out there. <clears throat> it was about a three week deliberation for the debt limit extension, the US government. And I think that's because behind closed doors, they were told we've already had a default. We're managing a default because notice that they did not increase the ceiling. They said that we can adjust the ceiling to whatever is necessary. In other words, unlimited debt, there is no ceiling. Right. We are living in a Frankenstein economy as far as US government is concerned. And uh, I don't even wanna get into what Washington DC is. Let's not even touch that. <clears throat> yeah, well, a lot of interesting points you mentioned there, especially comparing it to almost a military exercise, which we've seen throughout the war events over the past year where now a lot of it is becoming financialized and curious uh how you see the impact you talked a little bit about how there's going to be a demand for gold and the country does not have that much gold could the u.s treasuries be used as a source of funding i know there's some people who have been looking for an announcement and then expecting maybe a big spike in the gold price I tend to think some of those things are usually a bit more gradual, but when do you see some sort of impact on the pricing being reflected from the, the shift that we have going on here? That's probably the hardest question that you could ask today with me. Um, I'm going to give you a scenario and I hope it is a satisfactory answer. In order to build up the gold depositories in many different nations. They have let it be known that it's going to be a multipolar and to use crypto vernacular, it's, it's going to be a uh, decentralized formula, a decentralized structure. And I, I translate that to mean a multipolar gold market. Okay, I've rattled off cities in the past and I'll do it again. 
Johannesburg, Istanbul, Singapore, Dubai, Shanghai, Sydney, Australia, London, Geneva, maybe Toronto, New York. All these places, St. Saint Petersburg, Russia, Moscow, Shanghai. I don't know if I mentioned Shanghai. So what if I double, doubled up? So what? I don't want to miss anything. Um, <clears throat> these are to be considered your multipolar gold market windows. And as these nations build up their gold depositors in order to participate with the gold token, we don't know where they're going to get their gold. I believe a great deal of gold is going to come from Russia, China, Persia, the Saudis, and one more. And the last one is going to be by force. By force with direct threat, with promises of rogue nation isolation, and that fifth location for gold provision will be the United States. We are going to be told by some nations, you can try your games on U.S. Treasury bond redemption, and you can try your haircut. I've, I've, I'm told we've already doing haircuts on bond redemption for U.S. Treasuries. That is tantamount to default. I am of the belief that many nations are going to gang up and say, we're not going to tolerate the haircut. We want the haircut compensated by gold. We'll take local South Korean won currency in a, in a dollar swap, but we want a portion, like 10%, 20%, maybe more, in gold. And if the United States doesn't do it, they're going to be boycotted. We're not going to have any imports from a lot of different countries that do essentially an economic sanction against us. And remember, of all the economic sanctions in the last 30 years, over 95% of them have been from the United States. Now they're going to be to the United States. Okay, where am I leading with all this, Chris? I believe we're going to see evidence in the multipolar gold windows, evidence of different prices <clears throat> that do not match London and New York Comex. And it's going to come like out of left field. Oh my gosh, did you see what that Singapore gold price was? Right now, for the last month or more, it's a little over a month because I got a guy who's watching it every single day and reports to me on differentials. <clears throat> Shanghai is $50 higher than the COMEX for gold. And it was 51 a month ago. It was 48 yesterday. Okay, so just call it 50 plus or minus a little bit. <clears throat> we might hear soon Singapore is 60. We might hear soon Johannesburg and Dubai are 100. Why do I pick those two? Because African nations are going to want to build up 
their gold depository for using the token, and they've got some gold. <clears throat> so it's going to bid up the gold price in Johannesburg. Dubai, I am told, it's in the United Arab Emirates, for those who are not familiar, the two largest city-states in the UAE, United Arab Emirates, are Abu Dhabi, which is basically, I'm told, it's the royal residence. It's where most of the royals live. It's their capital. It's their body to do the ruling policy. But Dubai is their financial center. It's in New York City. Dubai is to the UAE what New York is to the United States, what Shanghai is to China. <clears throat> I am told, Chris, that they have plans to expand Dubai tenfold as a gold window. And that will bring about a tremendous amount of prosperity <clears throat> to that local economy, which, by the way, is using XRP for small and mid-sized transaction settlement. UAE, okay, I, I did a, I did a console. I'm not making this up. To me, it boggled my mind. <clears throat> An Arab with perfect English did a consult call from Oman. Okay. He said, Jim, I'm Palestinian by birth. I moved to Bahrain when I was a teenager. As an adult, I've been doing business in Oman, which is very friendly toward business, Oman. I'm, I'm giving you a little rundown of some of the differences. He said, I go to Bahrain for fun. <laughs> I said, what kind of fun? <clears throat> you mean like bars and discotheques? He said, well, yeah, but also beaches with bikini women. And, well, you know, to be honest, bars for liquor. And I said, Tell the truth, strip clubs? He said, well, once, or, once in a great while. In Bahrain, he said, Bahrain is very loose and liberal. They don't come down hard. He said, the worst is Saudi Arabia. They have women-only beaches. He said, they don't have bars and discotheques much. Uh, they mainly do for the royals, which is, you know, double standard. Okay. Here's what he said. He said, I live in Oman. I do business in Oman. I'm in the petrochemical business. I'm an engineer, blah, blah, blah. He described it all. He said, Jim, my utility bill, settled in XRP. My phone bill, settled in XRP. A construction bill um, with a, a friend of his who had uh, some construction and this and that. It was like the lumber company and the cement company, settled in XRP. He said, Jim, these are not $50,000 transactions. These are under 10,000. Yeah. And they're settled by XRP. He said they're doing a Gulf region XRP experiment. And UAE is the leader. <clears throat> now, remember, I brought up UAE before because they had the dinar, I'm sorry, the dirham, the dirham, D-I-R-H-A-M, which was used by India as an invoice and a payment system. We're going to see the dollar used as an invoice payment unit. It will continue as an insult to the United States. The oil business, the gas business, they will price in dollar. They will not pay in dollar. They will invoice in dollar. Cotton, copper, 
wheat, corn. They will invoice and price in dollar. The entire commodity market, Chris, I think is going to be priced in dollar, invoiced in dollar, paid in whatever Russian ruble, Chinese yuan, maybe Iranian rial, maybe XRP. And of course, some will settle in the dollar <laughs> with a gun at their head. Okay, you know, we are about to see a transition of wealth, a transfer of wealth, the likes of which we've never seen before in our lifetimes. And maybe not in over a hundred years of financial history. So there is part one of the interview with Dr. Jim Willie. Obviously, Jim, as always, had plenty to say. This one went on for quite a while, so broke it into two parts to make it a little bit easier to watch. Part two will be coming your way shortly. But hope you enjoyed hearing from Jim, and we'll be back with part two shortly.